This is, this is the birthright of the Christian, not just that our sins have been removed and that we've been put in relationship with God, but we've also been put in relationship with each other. We are one, and there is nothing else in this world. There is no other oneness that people have with each other like the oneness of the body of Christ. Welcome to this episode of the His Hill Podcast. My name is Kelly Darty, and I'm here with our director, Charlie McCall, and camp director, Connor Patterson. Connor just uh, last week uh, was led us in a devotion from 1 Corinthians, and uh, he was uh, actually, he's telling me it was 2 Corinthians. Yeah, yeah. Yes, he Actually, we just recorded it a few minutes ago. That's why I'm all <laughs> confused. Uh, anyway, uh, he was uh, gracious and, and said he would stay for a discussion. We're going to have a roundtable discussion from Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to look at verses 19 to 25 together. But before we get, uh, before we get into that, I just have uh, just one, two, Ask a few questions from you guys because it's uh, Charlie. It's been a while since you've been on the podcast. So we want to bring people up to date. What's going on with you? First of all, uh, let's start with Connor. Though Connor, um, being the camp director, how was uh, what was camp like last summer? It was eventful. I don't, I don't know <laughs> if there's another word we can really use to describe it, but it was it was great. I mean, we had the most amount of campers we've had in a, a long time. Um, we had our our staff fill out relatively early in the summer we weren't looking for guys like we normally do um Mm. deep into may and so the lord provided it for us in in every way Um, it was a it was a great summer on that account with the um the amount of people that we had here but but more than that just you know what took place on a week-to-week basis really every week campers coming to know christ in even into the middle school and high school uh week so i got i got a letter that was sent to me personally a couple weeks after high school week, and it was just so, so special to mm-hmm. to have gotten that, and and really just the the one who wrote it, just pouring her heart out. Like I really understood what it means to live in Christ this year, though I've been coming to camp since I was in elementary school. Wow, so, that's exciting. Yeah, yeah, that made it all worth it. Yeah, it really does. Um, and and we had a great um great uh, great enrollment for for campers too. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, we, we, we're still scratching our heads really how that jumped up, you know, to almost double uh, what we had. But, um, you know, whatever the means were, we're thankful for God. Yeah. He, he was That's, the one that initiated and provided it. That reminds me, I've been meaning to tell you for a number of weeks now, I keep forgetting, but one of the campers contacted me and asked if I would baptize her. Oh, wow. So, and I've been meaning to, to tell you this because I thought you would probably want to be around i want to be there yeah, yeah uh but it's going to happen here oh at, yeah in the pool in a few weeks actually okay she's she's local week. then yeah she's local from san antonio i um i was i was thinking you know because people in canada don't believe this but the water does get cold here so <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be a quick baptism but mm-hmm. but uh anyway it was it was exciting and the parents are very favorable for it and and they're bringing a lot of people up for that yeah i love to hear it yeah Man, that's awesome now, uh, Connor, uh, you're starting to teach in some of the other Torchbearer schools as well, and you're going to be at Ravencrest in February, is it? In the dead of winter. Yeah. Yep. But it's not, not uh, unusual for us, my wife being from Winnipeg, you know, negative 40, negative 50. Okay. I think I've, I face it all. Great. Do you know what the date is? Not offhand? No, no, I think it's like the third week in February. Okay, so if, if any of the alumni or people listening are in that area, be sure to 
uh, to check check in with Ravencrest to find out when Connor will be there. What do you what will you be teaching? With the first years, they have me teaching church history, okay. which is what I teach here for the second years. Um, but then with their LIT or leadership program, I teach through the book of Philippians. Okay, great. Well, good. And your family, you know, you've got two two children. You have a two-year-old, right? A mm-hmm. one-year-old. Mm-hmm. And you're about to have a newborn. I'm about to have a newborn in wow. April. Wow. How's Jewel doing? Sick. Oh, Very my sick. <laughs> <laughs> Bless her heart. She's, she's sick and is chasing around a, a two-year-old who is in the I want and I think and you know, I know best phase of life and, yeah. and a one-year-old who thinks he can conquer stairs already on his own. So yeah, that's, that's her life right now. Oh, wow. And when does the baby do? Uh, mid April. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. Still some time. Yeah. Uh, now, so that's three children in three years. That's right. Yeah. S- sound familiar, Charlie? Absolutely. <laughs> Makes you believe in purgatory. <laughs> <laughs> just, just one more, one more Connor next year and, and you'll tie Charlie. Make sure Jill's not listening to this. <laughs> uh, Charlie, how about you with traveling? Have you been anywhere this year? Uh, I've only been to Timberline Lodge. Um, I was just up there a week ago. Yeah. yeah. The, the, uh, the COVID has really kind of slowed you down with a lot of the traveling you've been doing, right? Yeah. Traveling international is more difficult. Um, so I haven't done any, any traveling outside the country. Okay. Um, and uh, are, are you, are you going to be teaching at any of the other North American schools? I'll be at Ravencrest um, after the first of the year. It's either the end of January or f- first part of February. Okay. Good. All right. Yeah, good. So make sure if you're in that area, make sure to drop in and listen or go say hi to Charlie. He'd like to see yeah, you. He'd, he'd love to take you out to lunch. So Sure. Barbecue. <laughs> There's a good barbecue restaurant in Estes Park. Good. All right. I was yeah. giving him, trying to give him a hard time. Didn't work. Uh, <laughs> anyway, Charlie, how many grandchildren do you have now? Eight. Eight grandbabies and are there any on the way i always get not that they've told us okay all right because it just always seems to be it (laughs) but that's that's uh that's neat yeah for those of you who haven't seen charlie in a long time you just wouldn't believe it charlie's he's a grandfather now he's lost all his hair (laughs) (laughs) no it's gray now yeah it is (laughs) it is great that reminds me if you want to see what charlie looks like now if it's been years since you've seen him uh if you go to Bernie Bible Church, that's B-O-E-R-N-E, Bernie Bible Church, uh, either the website or go to the Facebook page, uh, Charlie's uh, sermons every Sunday are streamed live. And then there's also, you know, they're, they're also there if you want to watch them later, they're, they leave them posted up there. So if you don't already know that, you can uh, d- go for no other reason just to look at how old Charlie looks now. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, Kelly. <laughs> no, no, the, no, it's... Uh, a lot of people have, have been blessed, and, and, and there's been uh, just a lot of encouragement from people uh, because those, those sermons are posted now. So if, you, uh, if you're interested, check that out. Um, okay, so we are going to look at Hebrews. It's chapter 10, and I sprung this on the guys just yesterday. I asked them if they'd do it, and uh, they, were, uh, they were willing to do it on such short notice, and I really do appreciate that. So what we're going to do, we're in Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to start in verse 19, uh, read through verse 25, and then we're probably going to spend the majority of the time looking at verses 22 to 25. But there's no set um, outline for us. We're just going to just talk through it. But anyway, here's verse 19. Therefore, brethren, 
Since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Um, I Just to give some of the context with it, the, the book of Hebrews is uh, the, the writer is, is wanting to remind the recipients who are Jewish believers that Jesus is better than any good thing that God's given us. You know, and, and then he uses all these examples, you know, the Moses and the angels and the, and the old covenant. And, and it's not so much that these are bad things, because they're not. They're given of God, and they're all shadows, which the book of Hebrews talks about. They're all shadows of the substance that is Christ. But he's wanting to remind them Jesus is better, so be taken with Jesus. Don't be taken with good. Be taken with better. Um, and so with that, and going into starting in verse 10, he's basically summarizing that. He says that, you know, the law didn't satisfy. The old covenant law could not satisfy. Jesus has satisfied. He has, he has sanctified once for all forever. And then in verse 19, he's telling them now, enter into this. Enter into this finished work of Jesus Christ. Enter into this rest, which chapters 3 and 4 talk about. And and know what God has for us in Christ with that that fellowship. So just with just with that as a way to kick off, are there any thoughts from you guys? Yeah, I just think just how special and unique it is the privilege that we have to to enter into the presence of God. There's no works involved. Um, it's not on the basis of anything we do. There's no limitations on it, and and it's all because of who Christ is and what he's accomplished, the, the two provisions that are mentioned there, 19 and 20, um, we are able to enter in with boldness or confidence because of Christ's blood and because of who Christ is, that he is a, um, a, a priest on our behalf. And so I just appreciate you know, the, the, what the author is saying, confidence or boldness, whereas the high priest, when he went into the Holy of Holies once a year, I think he would have been scared to death, you know, that he goes yeah. in there and he could be struck dead. Yeah. And we have no reason to fear mm. as he did because Christ has gone before us. He's opened the access to God and, and we can enter into his presence at any time. And we're encouraged to do so with, with absolute confidence. Yeah, I, um, I was, that just makes me think of, you know, we had a. There's been several people that that I've, in, I've come in contact with over the years, that have been, you know, they kind of had this, and and I can identify with it because I, I was the same way. I I want to go before God. I want to be in fellowship. I want to walk with Him. But I've got these things in my life, and and I've, you know, I have I have prayed about these things. I have, you know, I I have struggled over these things. There's no way I can take this 
before him again. I can't take this before a holy God again. I've got to take care of this and, and conquer this before I can go in and, and fellowship. And, uh, and really, the, the, the opposite mm-hmm. is true. Right. And, and, you know, it's, it's just, it, having gone through that myself, it really grieves me to think that there's other believers that, that experience the same thing. You know how if if you're waiting until you get all your ducks in a row before mm-hmm. you, but before you go before the Lord, you will never mm-hmm. go right. before Him. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, with um, you know, with this, um, since we have this great High Priest over the house of God, you know, th- we have this great High Priest. And and he is he is the mediator before the house of God. You know the 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 privilege that is ours. That you know the Lord's just taking care of all of this. And chapter three and verse one, the writer says this: that therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. So here we're, he's, he's informing us of these two incredible truths found in Jesus. One, he's the apostle. Two, he's the high priest. Being the apostle, he's God's representative before man. Being the high priest, he's man's representative before God. So what really grabs my attention with this is that right now, no matter what we may be dealing with, we are in fellowship with God. Because, like Bernard used to tell us, there's a man in heaven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that man is the apostle and high priest. When I said Bernard, I meant Bernard Briscoe. But, you know, we, he's, he's representing God to man and man to God. We are in fellowship with him. And so here in chapter 10 again, he's telling us that, you know, we have this high priest. Now, what do we do with that? What do we do with this privilege of being able to enter in what do we do with the ministry of this high priest? In verse 22, let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. And then, of course, in chapter 11, or end of chapter 10, going into 11, he's going to talk about faith. You know, we're, how do we enter into? Well, it's with a complete dependence upon him. Again, it's not, what, it's not on us. You know, I love how Major Thomas used to tell us the pressure is off. Hmm. Yeah, you know, you keep using the word, you know, us, and and the writer here is using the word we, mm-hmm. and you know, all, us as well. Let us. He's going to use that three times. And you know, one thing that just jumps out to me is kind of what Charlie was mentioning. You know, that we have confidence. You know, as the high priest would have probably gone in fear, and, and rightfully so. But that that confidence of, of we who can enter in goes from top to bottom. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it goes from. The Billy Graham, if you will, to the, you know, the believer down in the slums of a, of a city. You know, there yeah. is no barrier. There's no physical qualification that says, you know, just this select group of people now or, you know, from this tribe or this tongue, you know, this nation has this gift. I mean, it's just a reminder that it is from top to bottom, anyone who has placed their faith in Christ has that confidence to enter in. They're heard, they're seen. You know they're they're comforted they're 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 listened to you know in their request and mm-hmm. we can lay those down at the feet of Jesus all of us and we know that He cares for us you know mm-hmm. that that kind of intimacy for anyone is just is huge you know and in my family coming from a 
a Roman Catholic background, this is really hard for, you know, my, my grandma especially, mm. you know, to understand. And even some of my aunts and uncles, they think now I'm a Bible teacher. And so they're like, Connor, you, you pray. You know, I'm <laughs> yeah, always one at Thanksgiving yeah. praying. I'm always <laughs> one at Christmas praying, right? But it doesn't have to be me, you know? It, it could be any of us right. that, that has point. that confidence, you know, before the Lord. I don't have anything special that I'm bringing to the table here that they don't have. Well, and I think that's what he's, he's really jumping on in, in verse 23. You know, so we enter in by faith with it depends on Christ. And, and with that, in verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. And, and hope, there it's, it's a certainty. You know, I, I don't... I understand why we use, we, we translate it as hope, mm. but, you know, it, it really means much more than that. It, when we hear the word hope, you know, we, we automatically go to chance, you know, gee, I hope this works out. Mm. But here there's, there's, there is that confidence that you're talking about and it's, it is for everyone. Yeah. yeah I, I appreciate you pointing that out. Yeah. I, I appreciate too here in verse 22, you know, the full assurance of faith if, if our drawing near was um, dependent on our righteousness, our works, we could never be fully assured mm. that we would be accepted. And the full assurance, again, is, is certainty. And it's, it's, I think it's the same idea that Paul had in Romans 4, where he says, For this reason it is by faith, righteousness is by faith, that it might be in accordance with grace, in order that the promise may be certain to all the descendants." And so Paul speaks of certainty. The author of Hebrews is speaking of full assurance. I think the idea is the same, is that we don't have to have any question whatsoever of our right standing with God and our access to God because it is not dependent on us in the least, yeah. but, it's, but it's, th- it's simply because of faith in Christ that I can approach God and that I can know that He views me as righteous because of Christ and His shed blood on my behalf. And... No one else can have that. I mean, if there if there is even one percent of of my right standing is is due to my works, then I can never be sure that I would be accepted. Mm. But it's zero percent of my right standing is because of what I have done. It is totally Christ and what He has done for me, and I'm trusting in Him, and therefore I can have complete certainty that I can approach Him. In Thing that kind of brings to mind when I was <clears throat> teaching through the Old Testament, the the Pentateuch, especially, you know, the, the Israelites are moving out of a nation of Egypt and into you know, the Promised Land, filled with these other religions, where they all make sacrifices like the Hebrews were called to do. They're all offered, you know, offering sacrifices. You, you see that throughout, um, but. In that type of sacrifice, you have no idea if that's enough. You have no idea if it's right. if it's going to meet the need. If mm-hmm. it if that divine, you know, thing is satisfied with you, you just you're kind of hoping, you know, in the in the worst way. Like, yeah. I hope it meets yeah. the standard. I hope this is enough. I hope this is good enough. I've been good enough. And you walk away, and then you examine your life all around. Oh, some of that happened to me. I guess it wasn't good enough. You know, I need to go back. And there's more. And there's more. It's just a, a brutal process. Yeah that uh, you have to go through. But again, from here, where there's confidence that it's the blood of Jesus. It's enough. It's completely sufficient. We know that we have right standing before him. Our faith in the spirit of God in us, you know, reminds us of that. And there's complete trust mm-hmm. there. Um, I, I appreciate it because, you know, what we're talking about is, is what we always talk about. And, you know, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes, I can feel like, you know, do, 
do these people want me to hear me say the same thing again? And, and I can sometimes fall into that trap of trying to, you know, figure, you know, figure out something else, you know, how can I give something else? And like, there's something else to give, you know, the, um, and, and with that, it reminds me, cause I just got an email from an alumni who, uh, told me that she's just recently started listening to the podcast and she was so thankful for it because she said she, in listening to us, she was being reminded of these things that she, she had forgotten. Mm. And, you know, it just reminded me how easy it is for us to forget. I remember major Thomas telling me that one time, uh, you know, I was thanking him for a a message and that he had preached. And I said, thanks for the reminder. And he told me that's exactly what it was. It was a reminder. And we have to remind each other every day, which is what the writer of Hebrews does in chapter three. He says the same thing, you know, you know, you know, remind each other, encourage each other as long as it's still called the day. There's the, and there's, there's, and and that's really, you know, what we, that was the, the, the driving thing in starting the whole podcast was that, you know, to remind the alumni and anybody listening that what Christ has done is it's done. (laughs) What he has done is done and there's nothing more to do. Mm -hmm. You know, the, in the beginning of Hebrews, he, uh, he covers that too, right? Right in the introduction in chapter one, um, he says, uh, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets and in, the, uh, in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory, the exact representation of his nature. He upholds all things by the word of his power. So he's saying that God's saying, this is how, I, this is how I'm speaking to you through Christ. I have given you a complete revelation of me. I'm not hiding from you. Here I am in Christ. And, and Colossians even tells us this, you know, that Paul says that in him, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. So God has completely shown himself to man. And, and then it says, and when he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. He sits down because he's finished, mm-hmm. not because he's tired of dealing with all of our, right. uh, our sin. Mm-hmm. He's, he's finished. And then he sits in the place of power. Right. Where he ministers as our again high priest and, and apostle, right? You know, we're, we're in fellowship. Enter in, you know. It's you know. Let's let's go in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the priesthood of Aaron, the priest never sat down. Right. There was no chair in the temple. You know, they there, which is a picture that their work was never done. Yeah, there was no rest. But Christ has finished that work. And several times in Hebrews, you see that phrase once for all, once for all. Mm-hmm. It's it's done. And even the extent of it, it comes out here in verse 22, where it says that our hearts have been sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies are washed with pure water. He's covering every aspect of our humanity, our hearts, our conscience, our body. There's nothing left unimpacted, untouched, uh, unredeemed by the blood of Christ. Mm. It's a total work that he's done. Mm. And it's the only way to have our conscience cleansed. I can't cleanse my conscience by repentance, by remorse, by by restitution. The only thing that can cleanse my conscience is the blood of Christ, mm. knowing that God has forgiven me mm. because of what Jesus has done. That's what cleanses my conscience. Nothing else. I can't do that. Only God can cleanse my, my conscience. And Jesus has taken care of the entire thing, my every aspect of my being. He has 
paid for, dealt with it, because sin impacts all, our whole being. And so we needed a sacrifice that would, that would take care of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And Christ has done that. And, and within that verse, Charlie, you know, again, it's, it's, it's by faith. Just by faith. Yeah. Just yeah. trust in Jesus. Yeah, it's 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 done, and and this is what's this is what is true. You know, he's he he has he's done this, and we we have been sprinkled clean. We need to associate Charlie with what you know. I've heard you tell people before. We need to learn to associate with what is true, yeah. identify with what is true. I remember years ago when I was the principal. You know, Charlie and I were talking with a student who had he came to us wanting us to know that he was he was gay. And I remember Charlie's response to him was, you know, he says, Charlie, I'm gay. And Charlie, without missing a beat, I mean, right away, as soon as it came out of the, the student's mouth, I am gay, Charlie said, no, you're not. And I, you know, I tell you the truth, at first I thought, Charlie, what are you doing? I mean, this guy's pouring his heart out. But Charlie went on to say, you need to learn to associate with what is true. Have you placed your faith in Christ? And he said, yes. He says, then you are a Christian. And that was, you know, that was incredible. And, and he went on to say, you are a Christian who struggles with homosexual tendencies. And you need to learn to identify with what is true. And then you, you went to Corinthians, um, was it chapter 6, 1 Corinthians 6? Yeah, in verse 9, you said there, are, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was just such a, a powerful moment. You know, Charlie explaining this to the student, and, and he says, now, this is what's true of you. Yeah, you struggle with these things. Yeah, this is your battle. But that's not who you are. And, and I remember looking at the student, I said, have you ever heard this before? And he said, never this clear. Mm. And that was, you know, that was just a, that was quite a moment for me. Because there was such, you know, that was so clear. And I think that, that, that fits in with what you're saying here, Charlie. We are sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. Yep. Our bodies are washed with pure water. We need to identify, we need to learn to identify with this. Mm-hmm. And that might be what the writer's getting at in chapter 12, where he's at verse 2, where he says, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Mm-hmm. Be taken, the word fixing, look away from all else too. You know, and so often it's easy for us, isn't it, to be concentrating on the problem. Uh, I, I've got this problem. I've got to fix this problem. You know, again, I can't take this before a holy God. Uh, I've got to get rid of this before I can go before him. Right. And I think really any of us it, it can give testimony to the fact the only victory that we've ever known over sin, anything that's been lasting, has been a result of being with Christ, of of. Uh, of being in fellowship with him, not by us trying to trying to get rid of it for him. Yeah, Jesus is the only savior from sin. Yeah, yeah. The best I can do is repress it, but mm. I, I can't remove it. Mm. Christ is the one who removes our sin. Yeah. 
yeah, I mean, the, the world, you know, has all kinds of methods and, 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 and systems in place to repress, yep. but, uh, but, but only Christ, yeah, can remove. Mm. Okay, so that's, that's verse 22. Um, in verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope, so again, that certainty, without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. You know, that without wavering, that reminds me of just a few pages over in, in James. Um, Connor, you're teaching James now, aren't you? The very last class of the school yeah. year. Yeah, I, I, that was the very first class I taught when I came on staff here. Um, but it, it, there, you know, he talks about, you know, not not wavering. Where is this? It's in chapter 1 somewhere. Chapter 1. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, is it verse... Yeah, kind of without doubting. Yeah, without doubting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's five. verse 5. Yeah, but... And, and 6. Yeah, 5 through 6. Okay. You want to read that? Verse sure. 5 and 6. Yeah. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith, without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Yeah, so that that almost parallels to me what he's what he's saying there in verse twenty two. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. You know, there's the, and the the wavering of what you know. It, it's not the wavering or the doubting of myself, <laughs> because I should doubt myself. <laughs> I should waver on myself. But I think that what it is, and it's so easy for me when I'm reading that, and in these in these times of, of battle, you know, of spiritual warfare, it's so easy for me to interpret it that way. You know, mm-hmm. don't doubt me. But really, it's, it's don't doubt Jesus. Right. And, you know, who here in, in, our, in our passage in chapter 10 says, why? Well, he's the faithful one. Mm-hmm. He who promised is faithful. Yeah. Yeah, it makes me think of the, I mean, one of the first episodes you all did on the, on the podcast, I was listening to the interview with uh, Bill Bushhouse, you know, and he's working through, you know, this passage with you guys and, and it just came back to that point, you know, where the law reveals I am the problem, mm. you know, like it's, it's not on the part of God. He who promised, he's faithful. Yeah. So the, the person really that's in question here is not the giver of the promise, but the receiver, are you going to enter into it? You know, are you going to believe it in that in that crux, in that crucible of life, there's the choice. Hmm. Will I trust my flesh, which is completely unstable, which is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by you know anything that appeals to my flesh in that moment, or will I stand confidently and securely holding that holy path, like that, like that anchor of our soul to Jesus and, and holding fast to him, holding on to the rock, everything else moves. Everything else ebbs and flows. The rock stays the same. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That you know, even mentioning Bill reminds me of a story of of his when he was the director. Uh, he had a student come to his office. Charlie, you might have been the assistant director at that time. Um, that he was he was the one of the older students, and he had real problem with the rules. Uh, you know, he had all this freedom, I guess, before he became a student. And he comes in, he, he doesn't want to come out, and the, and the and the rules were the problem. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bill, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Charlie, but I think Bill told him, he says, tell you what, if you can go a week without breaking one rule, I'll let you stay, I'll let you function the whole year without having to abide by them. Well, he told him he could change whatever he wanted. Oh, okay. I thought, this is going to be chaos. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> well, you remember how did it end? Well, the guy was 25 years old, and he and he was thinking, I don't need these rules. I've lived well without them. The rules are stupid. And Bill said, well, well, maybe God brought you here to to point all this out to us. And he goes, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> and and so then Bill said, well, I'm not absolutely certain the problem is the rules. It might be you. No, it's not me. And so well, let's go one week, and you obey the rules, and we'll change whatever you want changed. And I just thought, oh, my word, this is going to be terrible. And so a week later, he came back in, and and he sat down and just started bawling. I mean, just snot running down the floor and onto the floor. And, and he got himself composed, and he lifted his head up, and he goes, the problem's not the rules. Wow. The problem's me. Wow. And it was a dramatic turnaround in his life. You know, he began to see that he could not obey, yeah. that it takes Christ to obey. Christ is the obedient one. And the, and the rules just expose what's in our hearts. Yeah, that's, that's an incredible lesson. It's one that all of us have to learn. Yep. You know, it's, for some of us, it's, you know, it's a traumatic experience. You know, for others, it's, it's this, yeah, it's it just this sweet experience, you know, but, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so that's, yeah, a, a great, a great reminder, good observation there. Um, something we were talking about just before we started to record was the, the observation that um, I think that we had we actually, it, that Charlie and I both had found from Warren Wiersbe. Uh, in verse 22, he speaks of the faith. Verse 23, the hope that's supposed to be found with the believer, the faith and the hope. And then in verse 24, the love. Faith, hope, and love. You know, it's interesting observation. Mm. Uh, the first two, you know, this is what's supposed to be true of us. Faith in Christ, hope without wavering in Christ. And then what's the outcome of that? Let us, verse 24, I think, I think it's right to say the outcome of faith in Christ and hope in Christ for the believer is this, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. You know, if the, the life of the believer is a life about others. Uh, and that's, I think that's a hard lesson to learn. You know, we, we, we tend to think of this life in Christ being all about me. And it's not about me at all. <laughs> it's, it's about him, and, and he is all about us. You know, you know just his, 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 his initiative toward us. And so I think that's a great, uh, I think that, that's a great thing for us to observe in our life. You know, am I loving others? And it, I think that that's a good mark as to, you know, for us personally as to whether or not I am living by faith and hope. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I just recently made the observation, <clears throat> you, you go throughout the Old Testament and even into the New Testament, but this phrase you know, gets brought up and he was growing in wisdom and stature and favor with man and God. You know, Samuel says it, David says it, it's, it's true of Jesus too. Yeah, and in growing, they are growing in both and you really cannot have one without the other. You, you cannot, as First John says, you know, claim to love God and then hate your brother. That right. that just mm, isn't right. real love. That just isn't the truth of God. You know, I, I think there's a connection here between these three "let us" statements. We we first draw near to Him with full assurance of faith, and as a consequence of that, we hold fast to the hope 
because he is faithful. And then from that, we love one another. So if I'm not loving people, if I'm not associating with the body of Christ, it's, it is likely that I'm not holding fast the confession of my hope. Right. And if I'm not holding fast the confession of my hope, it's likely it's because I'm not drawing near with mm. a sincere um, with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. Mm. But yeah, it, it is the, the, you know, there's no separation, as Connor's saying, between the vertical relationship with God and our horizontal relationship with others. It's God never intended that there be any, any dichotomy, any split between the two. Mm. The, the one is the outflow for the other. If I'm, if I'm drawing near to God, then I should want to draw near to God's people. Yeah, <laughs> right. And to love them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the 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 phrase just interesting to me. You know, consider how to stimulate. You know, it's yep. sometimes we can get so um, like, you know stuck in concrete. You know, well, just love somebody. Well, how do I? You know, how do you, how do, you do that? And this kind of specifies it a little bit. You know, more a little, a little bit deeper here. You know, think about how we can come alongside one another, carry each other's burdens. Lift each other up to the Lord. Consider, you know, take time. Stop, think, how is this person, like how can I approach this person in a way in which I can encourage and, and stimulate and, mm-hmm. and kind of light a fire in them to see the great love of God and to, for them to draw near to Jesus, for them to you know, hold fast the confession of their faith. But right. it, it takes time. You know, yeah. that's part of discipleship that we're, that we're right. in here, you know, getting to know people, being with God's people. You have to physically spend time with God's people. Mm. I think if we're going to love them well, I think it's a, we might, you know, want to love people well, but we're not willing to put the time in. We're not right. willing to put the consideration in. And that, I think we'll be frustrated with that. Yeah. I might be wrong, but I think the word in the Greek brings with it kind of an understanding of, uh, it's, and it's, it's an aggressive thing to, to stimulate. Um, it's, um, it, it's certainly not passive. No, you know, I mean, so often I think one of the misunderstandings of Christ being your life is that we don't do anything. Mm. Well, well, we don't. That's what we've been talking about. You know, we don't in and of ourselves. But we, you know, James, you know, be doers of the word, <laughs> not merely hearers. Uh, we and, and and then again in James, you know, show me your faith without the works. I'll show you my faith by my works. So we are to be to to be active, mm-hmm. you know. But how active by faith with hope, you know, active trusting Christ, not me. And uh, it does, it, 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 you know, love is a sacrifice. It will mm-hmm. it, it it will cost, but. Again, it's that natural outcome of, of one who is living by faith and hope. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, you know, this kind of, of considering how to stimulate one another loving good deeds, it's more than, as Connor's saying, just me having love for others, mm. but it's me wanting to see others stimulated mm-hmm. in their relationship with Christ. And I appreciate, you know, how with Paul we see both sides of the coin with this. You know, on some occasions he'll say things like, Boy, you guys are so great at loving one another. Excel still more, mm-hmm. and he's just so positive and affirming. But on the other times, he just drops the hammer on them. Yeah, you know. And, and but was he not stimulating them to love and good deeds? No, it's still the, the motivation and the goal was still the same. I believe in Paul's heart, whether it was this, the firm 
hard word or whether it is the affirming word. Right. In both cases, he's trying to stimulate to love in good deeds. And it's going to be both, the firm word and the affirming right. word. Yeah, it, it, so often, and I think we're hearing more and more of this kind of thought in the church, is, you know, the, that's too harsh, or that's not loving. Uh, but, I mean, you read chapter 10. Uh, well, we are in 10. You read, uh, I'm sorry, it's chapter 12. And he talks about the discipline. Mm-hmm. Well, all through Hebrews with these warning passages. Yes, yes, yeah, right. I mean, these, they're firm words. They are. But still, he's trying to stimulate to love and good deeds. That's right. And, you know, I, 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 um, I you know, that, this might be a little, a little bit of a rabbit trail, but something that bothers me is, you know, with, with believers is, is what our understanding of love is. Uh, you know, we, we can... I think um, we can we can actually, if we're not careful, instead of loving, we're hating, thinking we're loving, because we're not being firm. Right. Um, well, Proverbs says that the father that doesn't discipline his child hates him. Mm. The father that loves his child will discipline him. Right. The writer of Hebrews says the same thing. You know, you're illegitimate children in chapter 12 if you're not disciplined by the father. And so it's, you know, that's, uh, th- that's certainly not a politically correct statement to make nowadays. Right. But, uh, but it's truth, so yep. it has to be made. Yep. Yeah, you, you know, one thing that Charlie said to me maybe a year or two ago, that's, that stuck with me since he said it, but uh, came off a really hard conversation with someone that was really close to me, and I said, you know, Charlie, I said what I believed to be true, you know, and... and um, and it, you know, it went, I was, I was ready for the, the fight. I was ready for the sword, you know, to come out. I was ready to, you know, really just get beat on for that. And, um, and the person turned and said, that is, that's exactly what I needed to hear. Thank you for sharing that. Thank wow. you for, for, for going so far and to, to say that. Mm. And Charlie's response was, you know, the truth at the end of the day, our hearts long for it. Mm-hmm. And the, the truth comforts us. And, and we've, changed that and twisted that to thinking the truth is going to be hard to bear. It's going to hurt always, you know, and we forget that the truth is of God and God, you know, he's our father who wants to comfort us and, yeah. and lead us into truth and yeah. really bring about the peaceful seed of righteousness. Right. You know, Hebrews says with that discipline. And, and so it, some of the conversations might be hard and they might, you know, it might be from death to death. But some of those conversations might be for life to life. Yeah. Through truth. Yeah. That uh, my, my dad was a disciplinarian, and I've told stories in, in class and in sermons about some of the discipline that I've received from my dad. And at times, I and, and actually, it's happened a lot, you know, more in more recent years, where I can see the the people who are either in class or in the congregation. I can see, especially the younger ones, just you can tell they're in shock. They can't believe I'm telling this, you know, my dad spanking me or something. And then, and I've had to stop and say, but listen, I'm not talking about abuse. Right. You know, I'm, I'm talking about love. Yeah. It hurt. It scared me, (laughs) you know, it, but the thing was this, I, I was never uh, probably saying it scared me. That's not, that's not, that's not right. It, it sobered me. That's a better, that's a better way of saying it. Because my point is, I'm, I was never scared of my dad. Uh, th- because 
the the hand that spanked me was also the hand that would reach down and offer, you know, lo- offer uh, comfort mm-hmm. in that. And and I never, you know, I, I'm so thankful for for those times. And I can tell you, the the last time that Dad had to physically discipline me, I was 15 years old. I thought I was old enough. <laughs> and so I expressed some of my own self-proclaimed freedom mm. and he let me know mm. that I was his <laughs> and I'm so thankful for it, you know, mm. because he loved me enough to, to, to go that far. And that's, uh, again, I keep mentioning it, but in chapter 12, I mean, he's talking about that, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I am my father's son. I'm not an illegitimate child. And because of that, he would go that far. Um, and so anyway, to, back to, to what we're talking about here is that this sh- should be, you know, a reality. You know, when we're loving will be sacrificial. So we, we need to be it, it's loving if what we're doing is for their benefit, for their good, not for my good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's that might be where sometimes we we miss we miss the mark you know it's better for me you know to not not to say something it's better for me not to do something here to just be quiet um and and not not take initiative oh man let me let me tell you how you know with a two-year-old it's my day is not efficient yeah when we have middle of the road tantrum you know tantrums (laughs) and disobedience you know like (laughs) It would be easier for me just to say, okay, bro, look, you know, that's fine, that's fine. And just keep pushing things off because, right. I, you know, I'm all about trying to be efficient, right? Right. But no, mm-hmm. no, that's not, that's really not helping her. I'm, I'm doing her a disservice. I'm doing her harm. I'm, I'm letting disobedience have a place in her heart, mm-hmm. right? And that's, and that's sin. And, you know, scripture says, you know, be obedient to your parents and it will be well with you. And mm-hmm. disobedience will be you know, hard for your days. And so to truly love her is to stop and, and have those hard words prolong, you know, where I'm trying to go. But because I truly love her, I do it. Yeah. And I appreciate verse 25. You know, I know we're close to being done time-wise, but as I understand here, the, just the, the grammar of what's being said, not forsaking, forsaking is a participle that modifies the first thought. Let us consider how to stimulate one another loving good deeds. And so I think what the author is getting at is the, the context for stimulating one another to love and good deeds is the assembling together, not forsaking our own assembling together. So mm-hmm. if I'm serious about wanting to see other people stimulated in their love and in their, in their good works, then it has to take place in the context of an assembly, of a fellowship. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, just the simple things, it's, it's not... So much of, of how our lives are encouraged in the Lord, um, apart from the preaching of God's Word, is just watching other Christians live their lives, you yeah. know, and, and seeing how that man loves his wife and, and how they interact with their children and how, how they handle stressful situations. And those are, those are lessons through observation that, that you can't get by Zoom, you know, by right. just watching a message. Right. You've got to be engaged, interacting with, yeah. with other Christians. And so the whole context, the atmosphere that, that is, is assumed here for loving one another, stimulating one another, loving good deeds, is that we're together. Mm. 
And, and it's like we see here at His Hill, one of the reasons that this is such a powerful environment is because it's a community. Mm-hmm. And, there, and we hear every year that, there's, that you're, you're, more is learned by what is caught than what is taught. Right. And that doesn't, that's not to, to undermine the importance of God's Word. We're serious about God's Word, but they need to see it fleshed right. out in our lives. Right. And you can't see it fleshed out if you're not together. That's a good yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I appreciate you saying that. Really, this was what has kind of been on my heart and, and what drew me to this passage was that verse. Because, you know, I've, I have good friends, you know, close and, and, and godly people who have said that, you know, they, we, they, you know, with all this going on with COVID and with the lockdowns and all that, you know, their, their thinking has been along these lines. We want to be a good witness to our community. And I'm thinking, okay. Where's the community? I know it. <laughs> you know, that, that's really disturbing to me. We want to be a good witness to our community, so let's don't meet together. You know, that's, that's di- we're seeing right here, that's diametrically opposed. That's the antithesis yeah. of what this passage is saying. I preached for you, Charlie, a few uh, weeks ago when you weren't feeling well. And I had been sick for about uh, three weeks before. And so this was my first time back to church since I had been sick. And I walked up onto the platform, turned around at the podium, and when I saw those faces, this first it really was fleshed out all of a sudden when mm. I looked at the faces there and realized the importance of me being there with them. Absolutely. I, I see people and I'm, you're reminded of what they've been through and how Christ has been faithful in their life. As they walked with him, they minister to me. And I can't, like you say, I, th- that doesn't happen unless we're together. We were made. I was thinking about this. We were created this way for fellowship, to be together. God came Mm -hmm. to walk in the cool of the day, you know, not to, he he didn't talk to him on Zoom. You know, Zoom, and Zoom is a wonderful thing. We can use it, you know, profitably. But God could have spoken from heaven. Yeah. Instead of walking in the garden. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. He didn't. You know, he's always intended that we be in that personal relationship with him because that in some limited sense, models the trinity father mm. son and holy spirit they, they couldn't be closer together than what they are mm. and god has privileged us with coming into that relationship john 17 father mm. make them one with us even as we are one with each other mm. and this jesus died for this and 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 i'm thinking this is this is the birthright of the christian not just that our sins have been removed and that we've been put in relationship with god but we've also been put in relationship with each other. We are one. And there is nothing else in this world. There is no other oneness that people have with each other like the oneness of the body of Christ. And, and, and how do you see that unless we're together? How is that fleshed out? How is that incarnated into this world apart from assembly where people can see these people love each other, yeah. which is exactly what they were saying about the early Christians. These people love each yeah. other. Yeah. Well, they, how do they know that? Because they were together. Yeah. <laughs> they, and and you think of the of the immense cost that those early Christians had to pay to, in order to assemble. Yes. It wasn't always easy. Yes. Mm-hmm. The early Jewish Christians were being persecuted right there in the temple. They came to the temple to meet, and they eventually had to leave the temple because of the persecution. And then and then the Gentile believers they were hiding in the Roman catacombs in different mm-hmm. places, and they're going, "It's worth it." 
Mm-hmm. This is what we've been given. Mm. This is our. This is the height of, of the blessings that we have in Christ. Is that we have community now. We have oneness with other people. Yeah. We're not Amen. in isolation. Because when sin came in, we were isolated not just from God. We're isolated from each other. Oh wow! Yeah. And now, and now in Christ, we've been unified with God, and we've been made one with each other. Mm. So it's just to minimize this is, I think, is to minimize the blood of Christ wow. and, and what. What Christ secured through His blood wow. for us. I, amen. I, yeah, amen. Yeah, I appreciate Dude, that. That's yeah. that's that's the perfect way to end. <laughs> yeah, that's what, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Well, I want to well, thank you guys for being again for being willing to to do this, and uh, and and we just want to you know we want to finish this by the way we end all of our podcasts. I think it just it just fits right in with what we're saying to be fixed on Jesus absolutely to trust him thanks for listening thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the His Hill podcast we hope you enjoyed today's topic and we're encouraged by the roundtable discussion led by Kelly Connor and Charlie set in Hebrews chapter 10 we pray that these reminders have been an encouragement to your heart today and that you take these absolutes with you into the unknowns of tomorrow be sure to give the His Hill podcast a follow on Instagram and Spotify or wherever you're listening from, and don't forget to rate us. The higher you rate us, the easier we are for others to find. Any Torchbearer alumni listening from the Minnesota region of America, this announcement is for you. The director of Torchbearers International, Peter Reed, will be speaking on December 3rd in Chaska, Minnesota, at an event called An Evening with Torchbearers. Peter Reed will be accompanied by Zane Black, the field rep at Timberline Lodge and the director of Love and Life Ministries for this evening of fellowship and teaching. If you're interested in attending this event, please contact us at alumni at hishill.org for more information and to RSVP. Space is limited, so don't wait too long to sign up. Summer staff applications for our 2022 camp season are now up on our website. If you or someone you know is interested in applying to serve alongside us this summer, please go to hishill.org to get started. If you have any questions about camp, you can contact us at camp at hishill.org. Thank you so much for tuning in with us this week to another episode of the His Hill Podcast. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Remember to keep your eyes fixed on Christ alumni. I'm Lizzie. See you next week.